praise God. Praise God. You may be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to uh, go back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23 and then into John chapter 15 verses 1 through 5. Turning there, preparing tonight. I want to uh, talk again tonight about the offspring of the Spirit. The offspring of the Spirit. Amen. Let me remind you that Sunday begins our outreach here at the church for our Christmas time. Challenge you to invite some folks to be a part of that. Believe God, amen, for their lives to be changed. Amen. Praise God. Find you. I'm sure that you have somebody that's unsaved. It isn't hard to find someone. If you don't, just go to McDonald's. Pick somebody up. Bring them to the house of God with you. Amen. Bring somebody. Invite somebody to come. Let's believe God for lives to be changed on Sunday. Okay? Right. Two of you. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. Amen. Then John chapter 15 and verse number 1. For I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away every branch that beareth fruit. He purges, purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. In verse eight, he said, therein is the father glorified in that you bear forth much fruit. Amen. And somebody say much fruit. That's our goal. It's our goal is to bear much fruit. For God. Amen. Father, tonight, take our few moments that we have together. Make them most effective. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to you. As we leave here tonight, let us leave transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you praise and thanks for it in the matchless name of Jesus. And amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you tonight about the attitude of the spirit the attitude of the spirit one of the things that we need to understand is is that God's will for us is to produce much fruit sad to say that many are unproductive or either their fruit is so sickly and so immature that nobody wants what they have amen The reason is we haven't received uh, seed, we haven't received word. The reason is, is because the ground that we have has not been prepared for the word that we receive. In Mark chapter 4, it talks to us. We talked in the first part of this uh, series on the offspring of the Spirit about four different types of people. There's pathway people, uh, people uh, that... The birds of the air come and they devour it. There's rocky people. After they hear uh, the word, they just yield a marginal results because there's no depth. Then there's thorny people, people that are caught up in the weeds and uh, all of the things of life. And then we have good ground that recognizes, receives, responds to the word of God and brought forth much fruit. Now, in this uh, story, it tells us that there is some that receive 30, some that receive uh, 60, and some that receive a hundredfold. And so it is in proportion to that which the soil has been prepared for the Word of God to be implanted into their life. Those who are pathway people and rocky people will see 30%. Those who are thorny people will receive 60%. But where good ground is and your heart is prepared, he says that there will be a hundredfold return on the seed that is sown into your life. 
and the, uh, there are, ought to be uh, a longing for the things of God in our life. No matter how long we have served the Lord, there ought to be something in us that wants to produce the fruit of God in our life. We should be like Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 15 when it says there that the, uh, the horse Shek, uh, hath two daughters crying, give me, give me. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things, says not it is enough, the grave, the earth, and that is not fulfilled with water. The fire that setteth uh, it is not enough, and a barren womb. The reason that a barren womb is listed here is because women in the Old Testament understood that giving birth was helping them to fulfill the promise of God that God had given to Abraham concerning the sea that would be as the stars of the heavens and the sand of the sea, right? And that's why we often hear the cry of a barren womb like Hannah and like Rachel that says, give me children else I die. In other words, it is my desire for my womb to be filled with life. And that is true in the natural. It is also true in the spirit. Amen. Our spiritual womb should be delivering and bringing forth and producing the fruit of God in our lives. And we don't want to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal where we're just a bunch of noise, right? We don't want to just be a bunch of commotion and not producing any fruit. I don't want to go through the motions and have the decrees and have the confessions, but be fruitless. I don't want to preach the word and not be able to perform the word. Amen. But there must be a, a performing of the word of God. And th there ought to be within us, in every one of us, there should be a cry on the inside that we don't have enough of God, that there is more of God. There ought to be a longing, no matter how long we have served him, there is more to God than we can comprehend. There is more to God than we can ever come to the end of. And so we have to begin to get an appetite for intimacy because it is in the intimacy that results in being pregnant. Without being pregnant, then there is no fruit of God being produced. You don't want a superficial relationship because a, that kind of relationship where God makes, makes no deposit into your life. But you see, you want to have a real relationship with God because an intimate relationship with God will produce something. Amen. And God wants to have some uh, intimate relationship with us that once we have an encounter, once we have a relationship, that we get spiritually pregnant with his word and we produce the fruit of the spirit in our lives that will impact others that are around about us. Amen. I need something that is greater than a profession, but I need a production. Amen. And that production is the fruit of the spirit in my life. And when the spirit controls your life, he will produce his fruit in your life. Amen. So because whatever the father, whatever the father produces his fruit in a mother, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit would be the fruit, but he said he would produce the fruit. And so people think that the spirit is the fruit, but he is not the fruit. He is simply the producer of the fruit. And so the fruit is the offspring about by which we have a union with him. We have a relationship with him. And that fruit exists because of the spirit. That fruit exists because we have an intimate relationship with the spirit of God. And as a result of our relationship with him, we produce the fruit in our lives. If there is no fruit, then there is no relationship. Amen. If there is no spirit, then there is no father. And if there is no father, then there is no one to sire the fruit. Amen. And so it is possible to produce the fruit. Excuse me. It is impossible to produce the fruit of the spirit when there is no relationship. 
when there is no union with the Spirit. Relationship leads to reproduction. There is no way to reproduce a child without, uh, without having a man and a woman having an intimate relationship. Amen. I know our society says that you can have a family with two men, but it, it won't happen. And some say it two women, but it won't happen. You have to have an, an intimate relationship with a man and a woman coming together that produces offspring. Right? Amen. We're all mature here tonight, right? Amen. This is Wednesday night. And so we come together just as the Bible said that, that that relationship between a man and a woman is a picture of us, the church, right? And so we're to have intimate relationship with him. And as, an, uh, as a result of our relationship, we produce fruit. We don't try to produce fruit, Brother John. Amen. We produce fruit out of our relationship. And out of that relationship with him, out of that intimacy with him, amen, there is the offspring of the spirit. It is produced in our lives through our relationship with him. John 15 said, the branch cannot bear forth of itself, neither can ye except ye abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. The spirit deposits fruit in your spirit. Proverbs 20 and 27, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. When God gets ready to work in you, he does it in the inside. Amen. How many remember that old, old song? I'm going to start telling my age. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And you see, a lot of, for a long time, the church had it wrong. We was trying to get people to change on the outside. But how many know you can put lipstick on a pig, but you ain't going to change it. It's still a pig. Amen. You can wash it, soap it up and make it look good. But the nature of that pig is going to look for a hole to waller in and it's going to be a mess again. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's not until you change the heart of an individual. It's not that we're trying to clean them up and all of that mess. I ain't concerned about the outward. I'm not concerned about those. Just let them keep on coming, setting up under sound doctrine, the word of God. And before long, that word is going to touch their heart and their heart is going to be changed. And then everything on the outside will begin to shift to begin to look like Christ. Amen. So don't waste your time trying to change people on the outside. Just speak life into them. Speak the word into them. Amen. And when their heart changes, everything will shift on the outside as well. Amen. You see, God isn't interested in giving us goose pumps, goose bumps and all of that. He in chill bumps. He is wanting us to change on the inside for real. And he changes you from the inside out. If that would have, if, if, if changing us from the outside in would have worked, then the Pharisees would have had it right. But Jesus said on the outside, you look like whitewashed tombs, but he said on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. He said, the problem's not the outside. He said, you got that looking good, but the problem is the inside that your life and needs to be changed. Those ch- changes will meet resistance with your flesh. If you're waiting on your flesh to show, wait, uh, wake up one day and say, well, I'm ready to do right, then you are never going to do right. There won't be a morning when your flesh will wake up and say, let's pray today. There'll not be a morning when your flesh wakes up and says, let's live holy from now on. Let's not talk about people today. Let's not get mad today. Huh? Your flesh won't do that. Your flesh is going to do what flesh does. The flesh has to be brought under subjection. And the only way that that flesh can be brought under subjection is if your mind, your will, and your emotions have more strength than what your flesh does. 
How can your mind, your will, and your emotions have more strength than your flesh? He said, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. And your mind is renewed. He said, we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so as we receive with meekness the word of God, it don't change us on the outside first. It changes on the inside. And a secondary consequence of us changing on the inside Side, our outside begins to look more like Christ. Amen. Romans 8 and 13. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you therefore the spirit mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Transformation occurs as his spirit touches our spirit. And then all of a sudden it starts producing fruit on the outside. When you have a relationship with the spirit, he fills your barren womb and you conceive and produce his fruit because whatever is in the vine runs through the branches. And when you have a relationship with this Holy Spirit, he will put something on you that looks like him. And you give birth to it, and it is the offspring of his spirit. Amen? I mean, know that you don't want every baby being born in your house looking like the mailman. Amen? I mean, he don't have to look just like you, but you want some of his traits. Come on, somebody. Amen? And and God doesn't want us producing all the time and, and it never looking like him. Amen. He he wants it to have some, he wants the offspring that we produce in the church and we as Christians to produce in our life. He wants it to have something that resembles who he is. Amen. And we talk about this tonight because we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Some I told you last time that many people say it's the fruits of the spirit, but it's the fruit of the spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit, these, these are the nine different components, but they're of one Spirit, right? Uh, the corn wheat has, uh, contains individual separate kernels of grain, and each one is different, but all the grain came from the same source. And that's what we have in our, our lives. Uh, we have these different gifts but they all come from the same source, which is the Holy Spirit. So either you have them or you don't have them. Now you may not be letting it work in you, but if you have love, then you have joy and peace as well. Amen. If you have one, you have them all. But we have to allow them to move in our life and take their work in our lives because God hasn't left any of us limited. We talked last week about the atmosphere, love, joy, and peace. When we produce these, this fruit in our life, we set an atmosphere for God to be revealed, his love to be shown to people that are hurting for his love to minister. So we, we set an atmosphere with love, joy, and peace in our life. Amen. And how many know God knows that we need some joy today? Amen. And we need some peace. And we need some love, real love. Amen. But tonight we're talking about attitude. What is the attitude of the Holy Spirit? Long-suffering gentleness and goodness. That's the attitude. He's long suffering. He's gentle and he's good. He's long suffering. He's gentle and he's good. This is the attitude of the Holy spirit. So he challenges us to be long suffering. That means to be patient. It is one of God's attributes Romans 15 and 5 says, the God of peace. Amen. He's the God of peace. Were it not for the patience of God, where would we have been? You know, we don't want to be patient with other folk, but where would we be? We would have been swallowed up long ago by God. 
if it weren't for his long suffering, if it wasn't for his patience with us. I mean, I doubt very, very seriously that there could be any one of us that could stand up and say tonight that you're exactly where you need to be and should have been with God. But there's some things in our life and we have we have squandered some days. We have got got satisfied where we've been and we have not none of us have gone to that place that we really should be. Amen. Uh, and, and so, so we, we, God's been patient with us. He has been long suffering with us. He has, he's worked on us and he's taking, and he's been slow to anger and he's been quick to forgive. Amen. And when you look back over your life, I tremble to think where I could have been if it had not been for the patient God dealing with me. Amen. He was unrelentless in his pursuit of my soul. He followed me down the tangled and the twisted trails of life and he came to where I was and even in times of despair and despite rebellion and hard-heartedness and, and stubborn attitudes, he was determined and he endured and he was endeavoring and long-suffering to reach to me. Amen. And not only just in salvation, but in my walk with him. Amen. He, he's, he's been there and he's always been uh, relentless and he's always been persevering and never giving up and growing weary of me. Amen. Constantly calling, constantly tugging, constantly pulling and wooing and loving me and commending his love toward me. Amen. And you see, what is patience? Well, a lot of times for us to see what patience is, we got to know what patience is not. And it is not indifference. It's not sitting back, twiddling your thumbs and saying, moaning and whatever will be, will be. It's not tolerance. Amen. It is not weak. There is nothing weak about patience. It's not, it, the, it is a force of enormous power to be able to be patient. Amen. Patience takes a great deal of strength. Anybody can get angry and fly off the handle. But it takes enormous power and strength to be patient. The Bible, you'll see that patience is referred to as a strength under control. Amen. It's a picture of a donkey bearing under enormous burden of a firewood or, or a sack of grain. Year in and year out, it goes patiently onward. It is the picture of the camel, the colt, or the bull that is harnessed to the treadmill and that, and that same hour after hour to that same place, day upon day, week upon week, but steadily moving forward. It is a picture of an ox being yoked to the plow, breaking the stiff soil, breaking the, the, uh, the owner's field. It is plowing through and the, the burden of beast is pressing on through hard soil. It pushes rocks out of the way. It pulls the stubble from the ground and onwardly and, and forward it relentlessly holds back or does not hold back but pushes forward. It pushes through the heat. It pushes through the cold. It pushes through annoying flies. It pushes through opposing wind. It keeps pushing forward. That's what patience will do in our life. It causes us to be patient and not just to stand still where we are, but to move onward, to patiently step by step. We continually, persistently, and consistently move forward by the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in our lives. Amen. There'll be situations that we will go through where the only way out is patience. You can't run and hide. You can't dodge and duck. You can't outrun it. The only way means of survival is to stick it out. Amen. When you've done all that you can do to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Don't quarrel about it. Don't complain about it. Amen. The hand that you've been dealt, you don't have to become comfortable with it because it's uncomfortable. It's sticky situations, but we learn to be patient 
while we're in the fire of affliction. And yes, you're going to go through some. You will. But we all do. You may not be right now, but we all do. Amen. And when we're not going through it, it's easy to amen. But when we are going through it, you say, Pastor, get you another message. (laughs) Amen. Because it's hard to endure and it's hard to deal with being patient. And you cannot do it on your own. Amen. You cannot do it on your own. That's the reason we need the Holy Spirit. To help us to do what we cannot do. And produce the offspring of patience in our life. Amen. Though we are crushed, though we are going through difficult situations, we must remember that the olive olive yields its oil only when it has been crushed. The grape sweet nectar is only comes out when it has been crushed. Second Timothy two and three said, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers will get shot. Amen. They will get shot at, but we just endure. You don't complain, don't cry about it. You don't pout about it, you endure it. Keep on smiling, keep on singing, keep on praising, keep on loving God, and don't let the devil see you sweat. Amen. Don't let him think he's got you down. Whenever I was uh, in the ninth grade in high school, I never did go to the gym and work out, but I worked on a farm and that was enough. And uh, I remember got into an arm wrestling competition and for high school, I was ninth grade. And uh, I'd gone through and came to the final thing, final arm wrestling contest for the championship for the school. And uh, it wasn't no big deal. I really didn't care either way. But I was there on that, that day, and we uh, grabbed hands, and we started. And whenever we started, that boy was bad. He was tough. He had been to the gym and all that mess. And you know what? He almost had me, but I didn't let him know it. I just kept on smiling. Kept on smiling. I said, is that all you got? And what he didn't know is I thought any moment my arm was going to break in two. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? I didn't let him let on like it bothered me at all. And I beat that joker. Amen. You see, the devil, he, he, he'll mess with you. He, he'll taunt you. And you give in. And you, get, you begin to allow him in. And you begin to say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't, you know. And well, every, who else waits? You know, all of that. And you just allow those emotions to come up. But you've got to be patient. Let the spirit produce its fruit in your life. Amen. And learn how to take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. Don't faint. Don't fall away. Don't quit. Because everything has fallen on hard times. Just hang in there. Hold on to the word of God and say, God, I'm here for your pleasure as we sung tonight. And I want you to produce your fruit in this season of my life. Produce patience in me that the world will see my good works and glorify you in heaven. Amen. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Gentleness. Perhaps no other fruit is far more reaching than these. To be humble and to be kind. Not rough or ill-mannered. Gentleness is not weakness. The devil will make you think or make you lead you to believe that if you show a gentle side, that it will, people will take advantage of you. But that's a trick of the enemy so that you will not allow this divine nature of God to be revealed in your life. Amen. It's associated with mercy. It is impossible to be kind and withhold mercy. It implies that there is a deep, genuine concern and compassion and care in you. Matthew 18 and 23 said a man owed a a man a great debt. I looked this up, uh, uh, 10,000 talents. And in today's 
uh, monies here in America that would be to the equivalent of $290 million. He owed him. On the other hand, he, he gets forgiven of this, right? He's shown mercy. He's shown kindness. And, and so he gets forgiveness for this. $290 million. I wish I could just get forgiven for 200000 and I'd have it made. <laughs> $290 million. He's forgiven of it. Then he leaves that situation in scriptures almost seemingly leads us to believe he, he leaves right from there and he finds someone that owes him, uh, uh, it is, what is it, 10 talents or 10, uh, no, 100 pence, right? Look that up. That, you know what that is? $17. And he said, you're going to give that to me today, I'm going to kill you. That's just Matthew's translation. But he put some pressure on that boy and said, no, there ain't no forgiving. There ain't no waiting. This is the day you're going to give me that money. How many know that sounds pretty crazy right there? There's no mercy at all whatsoever. We would think that someone that had been given, forgiven so much would be kind of kind to somebody that needed forgiven for so little. But many are just like that today. Amen. We, we want God to love us and forgive us. But we sure enough don't want to show our love and kindness to others. We don't want to show mercy to somebody else. Sometimes we're quick to forgive what God brought us out of. We're quick to forget to what extent we have been forgiven. But the Bible said, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. If you study that, it'll mean in the same proportion in which I forgive, forgive me. And so if we're not willing to forgive for a little, then we should not be expecting God to forgive us for a lot. Kindness is not obliging evil. It's not kind for a parent to allow a child to do wrong deliberately. The kind of parent that corrects and chastens and disciples wrongful behavior is in the right. To overlook wrong and brush it aside and to sweep it under the rug, if you will, is, is a disservice to your child. And so it is with us. Amen. The kind of, what kind of doctor would, would, uh, you have, if, if you had a boil and, and, you know, and you went in there and he said, yeah, it's poisonous. And he just, you know, put a bandaid on it and said, it might go away. It's hid. I can't see it. But it's that good doctor that will lance the boil, remove the poison, put the liniment or the proper uh, uh, ointment upon it, amen, and, and restore the patient back to a place of wholeness and healing, amen. And that's the kind that, that's provision that God has for us, amen. His word will cut us, but it will also heal us, amen. It's the kind that we have to have. If you, if you don't, if you see, you see somebody doesn't care for you, then they can let you do whatever you want to act crazy all by yourself. Amen. If somebody don't care for you and they're seeing you go down a dead end street and you're about to ready to run off of the road and they don't care about you, they won't say nothing to you. But if there's mercy on the inside, you say, wait a minute, hold up. The road is out. The bridge is gone. You're about to run off of the cliff. Why? Because you care about them. Amen. Because you, you have mercy. You want to show kindness and goodness to them. 
Amen. And you see, that's what God has done for us. He has shown us kindness and mercy. He has shown his love toward us. You know, and and I know I can't pastor everybody, but I haven't been sent to pastor everybody. If you can't handle it hot every once in a while, you have to find another church. Amen. Because if I don't ruffle your feathers every once in a while, if I don't get up under your skin and you talk about me ugly when you go home, I'm not doing my job. Amen. Because you see, I've got to speak the word in truth, but I also got to speak it in love. Amen. And how many know that if it's spoken in love and yet in truth, that the word of God will do its work in us. And a lot of folk don't like it true. And a lot of folk don't like it to begin to challenge them. They just want it fluffy and nice. Amen. But how many know fluffy and nice is not going to get you anywhere? I don't believe in beating and browbeating and knocking people down. You, you can lift them up with the word, but you can love folks and still tell them the truth. If you don't love them, you don't have to tell them the truth. If I didn't love mankind, if I didn't love you and love the people that come here, then I could just come up here and we could put on a big show and have a good time and slap each other and say, I'm all right, you all right, and let's just go into heaven and never make an impact in the earth. But you see, the reality is because of his mercy has been shown to me, his mercy has been shown to you. We cannot allow ourselves to just pass through this world and never have a care for somebody else and tell them, wait a minute, you're, a, you're about to go off of the cliff. You need to make a turn. You need to change. This is the direction you need to go because those God loves, he chastens. Amen. That's why I tell you, that you don't tell someone you love them and then talk about them behind their back. We pray God straighten them out. We need to be praying God straighten me out. Second Timothy 2 and 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and be patient. It costs to be kind said it costs to be kind. It goes beyond pretense. It goes beyond words. It goes beyond plagiarizing and acting. It goes beyond just having crocodile tears. It's about getting involved in man's situation. And it may cost you something. Amen. It may cost you something to see them turned around. It may cost you something to see their life changed, but it's worth it. I said it's worth it. Look at the kindness and the mercy of Jesus. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might be rich. 1 John three sixteen, whereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What you sow, you will also reap. So what you sow, you will reap. What I've found is you may not reap it from the same field, but God will make sure you get your harvest. Third, goodness. Jesus did good. Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he went about doing good, healing all who were sick of the devil. Amen. And yet his good was evil spoken of. The antagonizers, those agnostics were there. They, They would antagonize him they would speak of his good he would he would go and and they would mock him and ridicule him say he was a wine bibber a friend of sinners right the world will hate you they'll call you a do-gooder they'll call you i'm not up on all the words goody two-shoe holier than thou They'll despise you. Timothy said the world 
will despise those who are good. The goodness of God will ultimately prevail. I, I say this all the time and I really believe it. And I wouldn't say it, but truth always outlives a lie. Good will always prevail. It may not look like it for a while, but light always dispels darkness. Life will supplant death. Love will always win out because love never fails. Goodness. I mean, we're not talking about some super spiritual thing. We're not talking about performing miracles and signs and wonders, right? We're talking about being good. Talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. We're talking about a spirit in us producing offspring that look like Christ. Amen. I remember hearing a story of a husband that threatened his wife one time and told her, said, if you, you don't go to church tonight, she went to church anyways and he threatened her and when she got home, she found her clothes out on the porch. The door was locked. The lady said she just took the clothes and piled them up there on the porch, made her a bed. When morning comes, she knocked on the door and said, Honey, if you'll open this door, I'll cook you some breakfast. That man's saved today. Just some goodness. Mean, don't deserve it. Ugly folk. But just show them Jesus. Instead of giving them hell, give them some heaven. <laughs> Amen. Instead of acting like the devil, just give them Jesus. Amen. How many know you have many opportunities to get ugly? There'll be every day of your life, there'll be opportunities for you to get ugly. But that means there's also an opportunity for you to show goodness. People will pray for love. People will pray for joy. People will pray for peace. They'll pray for patience. But seldom do you hear anybody with a rendering cry saying, God, just give me goodness. Help me to be good today. Help me to show your goodness to that crazy man I have to work with. Help me to be good. <laughs> I'm going to quit right there. But just help me to be good. Show your goodness. Because you see, our flesh wants to show up. Our flesh wants to act out. Our flesh wants to get just as ugly as they are and tell them, I'll tell you what you can do. Right? But that's not the offspring of the spirit. That's the offspring of the flesh. You can't do it on your own. People will push you. But if you have the spirit in you, that Holy Spirit moving in your life daily, it's not you making it happen. It's him giving birth to it in your life to show and reflect the love of Christ, the goodness of God, and so that men can see that and want what you have. Everything that isn't productive must be removed. If you don't move it, he will. If you don't fix it, he will. Some are stopping their own blessings because they're holding on to things that they should let go of. If they would only let go of what they have, they could get a hold of what God has and their life could be changed. It might be people that need to be removed. If they need to be moved, then let them go. It may be things that need to be released, but I promise you this, God will never ask you to let go of something that has more value than what he has to give you. And if you will only let go of what you have now, he has something 
more in mind than what you presently have. And so with that, we say to the spirit, yes, yes to your will, yes to your ways, yes to your wants, and yes to your desires. I've often said, if you'll keep a yes upon your altar, the fire of God will never go out. Amen. And that fire of God will produce his fruit in our lives. Amen. The spirit helpeth our infirmities. What is infirmities? It means the weakness. I need the spirit of God in me because there's a lot of weakness in me. But the spirit helps my weakness. That it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives through me. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Is this helping anyone? Amen. I'm going to try to finish up next week. Amen. On this little series. The atmosphere sets the stage for God to work. The attitude that we take on through the Holy Spirit causes others to see God. Next week, I want to talk about the attributes of the Spirit, faith, meekness, and temperance. Get such there is no law. Amen. How many could honestly say, I know that it's midweek. This is the believer's service. This is where we come to encounter God. I wonder how many tonight could just um, be honest and say, you know what, Pastor, in some areas here tonight, the Holy Spirit's just touched my heart, convicted me. You know, a lot of folks want to do away with the conviction, but I'm still thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thankful that he nudges me and thankful that he's still there to stir up and say, you know what, you need to shift, you need to change, you need to go in this direction. Maybe tonight you're dealing with an issue that you just need to learn long-suffering or gentleness or goodness. You just want the Holy Spirit to just reveal that through you, make itself known through your life. Amen. As we just play a little course here tonight, right where you are, just between you and God, an intimate time. Nobody else in the room but you and God. That you'll just call on his name tonight. Just ask him. He promised us. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. He, he wants his fruit to be produced through your life. He desires that. And I believe you desire that or you wouldn't be here tonight. But how many can be honest tonight and say, you know what? It's tough in this world to not act like the world, be like the world, just fight back like the world. But I need his Holy Spirit because we can't do it on our own. But his spirit causes us to be long suffering and gentle and good when everything around us is chaotic and evil and fighting and fussing. But he shows himself through us. I've said it many times. The world is not a void of hearing about the God we serve. They're void of seeing the God that we serve. When they see the God we've been preaching about all these years, you'll not be, have a problem filling the house. You'll be concerned about how will we reach all of these? How will we serve them all? Because the world is looking for the fruit of the God that we serve. Jamie, let's just sing something kind of intimate tonight. Let's take just a couple of minutes right here. The Holy Spirit's nudging you. Just make it between you and him. Just talk to him. Let's take these moments and let him minister to us tonight.
I never want 